Well, good morning, class. Glad you're here today again. So, appreciate it and hope you can endure just a few more minutes in spite of the humidity or the humility or whatever. Both. Are you able to pay attention now? Are you totally shell-shocked from my announcement time? You okay? All right. Pray, punch the reset button. If you are new, uh, we're welcoming you. I'm glad you're here. And uh, by the way, if what we talk about today provokes questions or thoughts or you want some clarity on issues that what the Bible teaches or what it means to have genuine faith in the pews, there are usually little card, little cardboard stock things you can fill out. Give me your data. Send it to me. Wave it up there, Uncle Don. Thank you. And uh, just make sure one of us gets it, one of us who knows like, looks like we know what we're doing, which I don't know. But anyway, find somebody and pass it on to us, uh, one of the ushers, one of the worship team, myself. Just make sure I get it. And I'd be happy to answer your questions, get back in touch with you, or whatever's necessary. Uh, we've been in a little series on Q&A. Can I make a, me- a mention of something? And that is, I've gotten questions from two people. Now, I had to conclude that apparently you all know everything, and, so, <laughs> and I don't think that's true, but, uh, but if you have one, you say, oh, I was thinking about sending it in, go ahead. Now, I, by the way, the people who did respond, I got a series of them, and so I've got plenty of ammunition to keep me busy, but uh, there may be some more pressing questions that you've been a little nervous about sending, and maybe you should. And so just let me encourage you, don't be uh, bashful about that. And we've been doing this Q&A series, and that's too far. Let's see. Where, oh, Can somebody start that on the right thing? Um, what about? That's not it. There we That's the one right there. Thank you very much. What about? And um, here's the question that came in, and I think it's a, it's a legitimate question for disciples since... The disciples who hung out with the Lord Jesus asked it. So I would say that's still a little legitimate question for Christians, right? If they, if they asked it, and by the way, it's the one comment when they asked Jesus this question, he didn't rebuke them. He didn't say, boy, are you dense. Now, there are some other times he almost literally said that, and uh, this was not one of them. And that was this question. What? Something's wrong here. Let me... I'm sorry. I'm having trouble. There, there are two screens there. There it is. Today's question, how can we increase our faith? So I don't know what's happening. Maybe this thing's off. Um, how can we increase our faith? Those of you who are um, Bible literate and have it with you and want to turn into the scripture, you can look up the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew, and I can tell you where to go, page 583 is exactly where this is. I'm not putting this on the screen at all. I just want you to listen for a second to some of the description of Hebrews chapter 11. And who knows what chapter that is? The faith chapter. How appropriate. So, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Let me just start down in verse 23. Just an illustration. And now it may, you, may connect some, boy, you may connect some of the dots um, why we sang some of the songs we sang. We were made to thrive um, for all the saints. 
You were their captain in the well-fought fight. All of this language is talking about those who rose to the occasion and exercised their faith. So here's a description of that. Verse 23 on page 583, that's Hebrews 11. There's a whole list of characters who followed God. And this one is now talking about Moses. When he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Wow, there's a mouthful, right? Especially in, uh, in America, I think, the great American dream. The reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Can you keep your finger right there on that text? Don't lose your spot. Little comment here. I read the Bible, and when he left, he was running for his life. I think he was afraid. But this says he didn't. Have fear. This is not saying he didn't have any experience of fear. This is saying, in spite of the fear, he made a choice to obey. Okay? We think we're not supposed to have any fear. If I'm trusting the Lord, I shouldn't have any fear. <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Yeah, we have fears, right? Same thing with the, uh, the midwives being afraid of the king's edict. In other words, they snuck the babies. They, they helped the babies. You have to know the story. You have to read Exodus. But the point is, it doesn't mean that they didn't have fear of the soldiers arresting them. Of course they did. But they chose to obey anyway. They chose to make the right call. Okay, so... On it goes. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they tried it, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? Time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed act of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, and it goes on. <sighs> Great stuff, right? You read that and you go, whoa! Well, at least I do. So... All right, so those of you who are visiting, if you haven't figured out, I do have a little bit of an odd sense of humor, and I hope you will forgive me if I was misunderstood in everything. But I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer as we look into this subject today. Fundamental question. God, we come to you in simple faith, ask for the illumining help of your Holy Spirit. And I know every one of us, depending on where we are in our faith walk, there is some next step that we need to take. Would you help us to hear it? By your Holy Spirit's assistance, I pray this, because, Lord, I have no confidence in my, my ability to communicate. I have no confidence in, um, in how clever we might be. 
any kind of tricks, any uh, video clips or anything else. The only thing, Lord, that will take the truth of your word and imprint it on our mind is the Spirit quickening it to us. So, Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. We ask for your help because we want to increase in our faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, how can we have greater faith? I wonder if it was a passage like this that the disciples were thinking about when they come to Jesus and they say, uh, boy, I don't know what's... I'm really sorry. Okay, we're not working. It's all messed up. Thank you, Ryan. I'm trusting you. I'll tell you when to change them, okay? So much for push buttons. Okay. So the apostles come to Jesus and say, Lord, increase our faith. And he doesn't say, what is the matter with you? There are other times they say, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus says, it's because of the lack of faith or the littleness of your faith. But in this question, he doesn't say anything bad. In fact, he goes on, if we could add it. The Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. (laughs) Oy, oy, oy. How's that make you feel, friends? A little on the weak side, right? I wonder, I wonder if the context... Have you ever read this in context? If you read it in context, the ver, you know what context means? The verses that are around the one we're reading. The verse just before this, Jesus is saying to his disciples, when you forgive your brother and he comes to you 70 times 7 to ask for forgiveness, you need to forgive him. And then they go, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. I don't know why you missed it. It's like, I have to forgive people? That same jerk over and over and over again? Increase my faith. I don't have, you know, that's like a mother going, Lord, give me grace with my, you know, right? That's what it is. I think that's funny. I thought that was funny. Because really, isn't that at times a challenge of your faith? You bet it is. But what about this other accomplishments, the feats, the deeds that the mighty saints of old did. They were weak need just like we are. I don't know how else I can put this. I'm trying to encourage you. You already got enough fate. I used to talk to guys, I got fate. You know what I mean? I got fate. And I say, yeah, you already got enough fate to get moving. You already do. People who accomplished some of those things that you read about were weak-kneed, nervous, just like we are. One of my favorite characters in the book of Judges is um, uh, Jerubbabel, uh, Jerubbabel. What was his name originally? Somebody help me out. I just did a complete blank, huh? Thank you. You heard of Gideon. It was just mentioned. Gideon, who when the Lord's angel comes to him, says, Hail, mighty warrior. He does this. Who are you talking to? Go and deliver Israel in this your strength. What? You know, it's like Maynard G. Krebs. Anybody remember him? Work? You know, what? I mean, you watch, you read the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, how many times he needs to be checked again and again. Show me again why this is going to work, Lord. Tell me again why this is going to, tell me again why I'm doing this. Anyway, no comment, but you get the idea. There's something about this. 
Now, I want to be clear. When we talk about faith, there's a dangerous side to it. So in order to illustrate that, I want to remind you of a great spiritual movie. If we could put that first picture up there, Ryan, thank you. Remember this guy? That's Luke Skywalker and his buddy Yoda, his mentor. And the slimy thing in the back is his spaceship. Anybody remember this scene? That's it. It's Star Wars. You get honorary membership right there. She knows. What, she got it. She gets out more often than the rest of you. But anyway, Star Wars. The spaceship goes sinking into the swamp on Dagobah, right? And Yoda's training him, and he wants to see if he knows how to channel the force. By the way, not a great picture of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, it, helped, it, it gives you a picture here. He's, he's trying to raise it using the force. Remember how they do this? You know, and the ship starts to move, and Yoda's ears go up. He goes, ooh, maybe he's going to get it. And then goes back down, and he goes, eh. So Luke Skywalker's belly aching, you know. Oh, can't happen. You, you, it's just too much. And he goes, sits and whines in a corner somewhere. In the meantime, Yoda says, all right, I have to show this guy. And so Yoda takes a deep breath. And there's the ship floating in midair, you know, and he lands it on the land. And... Uh, and uh, Luke comes over and he goes, I don't believe it. That is why you failed. <laughs> now, the problem with that, we better put that down or everybody's going to be really interested in running the series again. But <laughs> The problem with that is that it's both true and false in terms of true spirituality. Let me explain what I mean. Some people... You didn't get healed, it's on you. You didn't have enough faith. How many of you encountered stuff like that? You know what I'm talking about. And there's this kind of faucet mentality about the grace of God that all we have to do is say the right magic words and we turn the spigot and <laughs> healing power, Holy Spirit power automatically goes out. That's not true. And so what that can communicate sometimes is if we could just grit our teeth hard, oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, that that's going to make God jump. That's not the way it works. However, the other side of it is when the spirit quickens you to say this can be done, like Yoda who knew what he was talking about is saying this can be done, then maybe, just maybe, I do need to strain a little bit and let God instruct me in my faith and broaden, increase my faith. Is that making sense? Okay, because when it doesn't make sense, this is a Q&A session. Any class member can say, I don't get what you're saying, Pastor John. I know you'd, you'd probably want to say that every week, right? We don't get what you're saying. <laughs> okay, so there's a picture. We're not, it's not about gritting our teeth as though in our own energy we can make anything happen. But there are times we sweat exercising faith. We do, that there's energy. So we want to have a right view. We can't possibly exhaust the subject of how to increase our faith, but today you may have noticed in your notes, I thought immediately of four main categories that we'll touch really quickly that will help you, maybe help you with your understanding. So, to increase our faith, I'm going to tell you a story. It's probably the best way to do this. If you read the Old Testament, God pulls his people out of Egypt he takes them to Sinai, Sinai, on Mount Sinai. He gives the law. He enters into covenant with the children of Israel, and he gives them a bunch of regulations. 
And in those regulations are some very fundamental universal principles that apply today. Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Okay. By the way, a lot of people have heard of them. Most people cannot enumerate what all ten are. Try it sometime when you're sharing with your neighbor or whatever. Uh, kind of hit a wall on that. But one of the first ones is, you shall have no other gods before me. Right? You shall not make a graven image. Okay. So there's some principles that he lays out right away. So in the Old Testament, when the children of Israel get settled after the exodus and uh, Joshua conquers the land in Joshua, the next chapter is Judges, which is two generations after Joshua and his buddies pass away, the whole community is starting to slide into chaos. It's been pretty obvious that they have not been catechized very well. Do you understand the word catechism or catechizing? It comes from a Greek word which means to instruct. And so they have not been instructed very well. So there's a man in the, in the area called Ephraim, the, the, the tribe of Ephraim, uh, who has a religious bent. And... Um, there's quite a story to this man. He steals his mother's money. Then he, he feels bad, so he gives it back. And his mother says, oh, blessed are you of the Lord. And then they commit that money, that gold, to make an idol, a very spiritual thing to do. So they make these little idols. Then one day, this uh, kind of spiritually dysfunctional family, who, by the way, Ephraimites were not called to be the priests of God. The Levites were called to be priests, right? Aaron and his sons. One day, a Levite is traveling through the area looking for a nice apartment. He's looking for a cheap apartment. Could no longer live where he was living. It was too expensive. He's wandering along. He happens at Micah's door. That's the name of the man, Micah from Ephraim. And he goes, hey, you know any good cheap apartments around here? And Micah finds out who he is. He says, oh, my goodness, he's a Levite. Levites are called to be priests. I'm going to hire this dude. So here's what happened. Let's put that uh, passage on. So Micah consecrated. Now, he has no business doing this. But Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. And Micah said, now I know the Lord's going to prosper me, seeing I have a Levite as a priest. I did this myself, and he's taking care of my... By the way, he has a little shrine with little household gods, which God had something to say about. You know, like... And, well, but now I know the Lord will prosper me, seeing I have a Levite as a priest. I little, little candle at the shrine. I, I, I'm sure I'm going to get blessed now. The first step in increasing your faith is to reject idols, reject false gods. O Israel, hope in the Lord. Put your hope in God, the true and living God. Make sure the object of your faith is not false. It's not a lie of some sort. And people are doing this all the time. Whether it is a false view of God, I interact with people constantly. Oh, God never does that. Well, no, you haven't read the Bible ever, apparently. So I hope your uh, faith is settled on the right object of faith. If I'm believing a tree is going to rescue me, it's not going to. But the God of heaven is able to rescue me. Rejecting idols. 
Let me give you a couple of examples because I don't think it's irrelevant. It's not just people who are, we would count as superstitious, although sometimes that's true. If I think the suction cup saint on my dashboard is going to do some kind of magical thing for me, it's not. I was reading in the paper about one of these episodes of the blessing of the bikes. You know, the church has a blessing of the bikes. And by the way, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if I think because I went and had a minister bless my bike that I'm just somehow miraculously protected and I can drive crazy out there or whatever, I ride a motorcycle so I know, right? you got to be watching all the time. The point is sometimes people put their trust in the wrong thing. Good deeds, I'm hoping I'm doing enough good deeds or perhaps I'm believing in a false gospel. I remember one of my family members one time I was sharing the gospel and, and they said to me, are you saying that my baptism isn't enough? And I went to myself, you have to tell me that. You have to answer that for me. I can't answer that for you except to explain if you got baptized without true faith, it's not enough. But if you had true faith, then you're done on that. What am I trusting in? I used this illustration years ago, and somebody really liked it, so I think it's time to resurrect it. Sometimes we keep our gospel like an extra credit card in our wallet. Basically, it stays in our wallet all the time. Nobody even knows I have it, and it makes no difference to my life, except when I need to pull it out and say, Oh, I got my free ticket pass into heaven card. This is my gospel belief. doesn't affect anything else in my life. By the way, if none of your life is affected by the gospel you believe, it's probably a false gospel. It's an idol. You're trusting in the wrong thing. Anybody remember? Anybody old? Now, now I'm meddling. By, by the way, last week I blessed all the elderly saints in the church. Amen? Amen. I did. I was, I was, I was um, championing you guys and me. I slip in there, you know. Hey, I'm going on the riverboat cruise because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm young at heart. Okay. I lost my train of thought. I hate when that happens. ADD. It's terrible. What? Yes. Anybody old enough to remember the chick tracks when they had come out? Anybody remember those? Right? One, two people. Three, four. Can I get a five? Can I get a five? Can I get a five? Okay. Chick tracks. They were, they were great comic, little comic books that preached the gospel. Some of them were rude and offensive. Some of them were rude. But a few of them were outstanding. And one that was outstanding was a cartoon version of Charles Finney's Revival Lectures. And in that one, there was one frame where you see this pastor with a guy who's got his head in his hands and he's struggling. Pastor, I feel so much guilt over my sins. And he's weeping. And the pastor's sitting there like this. And he says, come on, Jerry. I led you in the salvation prayer myself. And the name of the pastor on his desk was Pastor Disaster. <laughs> Do you get the point? If somebody is agonizing over their sin, I don't care how many times they prayed in Iwana or somewhere else, wake up and smell the coffee. The Spirit is striving with them to bring them into true faith. 
I'm not talking about feeling guilty and never being sure that you are saved. That's a whole other subject. So what I'm encouraging us with is put away idols, reject idols, make sure that you're trusting in the true gospel. And by the way, the true gospel is simple and straightforward. Those who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, do you believe in him? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? All right, you already got fate going here. All right, you get it? And if you haven't committed your life to him yet, that's the only thing missing at this point in your life is to say he's the boss of my life. It's nice that he died for the sins of the world, but it's not doing me any good until I get the money from that account and put it in my account because mine is in the red. Did that make sense? Okay, so I hope everybody in the room is getting what I'm saying. And if you need to work that through, be happy to talk with you after. Okay, so a true gospel. Second thing, uh, moving on along. By the way, there's a great phrase in the book of Judges that describes Micah. It's the last verse I want to put up from Judges here. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what? What was right in his own eyes. Sounds like today. (laughs) We're getting further and further away from the truth of God. We do whatever's right in our own eyes. We make it up as we go. We we tell everybody. More people are speaking for God today on the Internet and in church, church pulpits or whatever than ever before in history. And tons of it is wrong. It's pastor disaster out there, right? Sending people in the wrong direction. And I'm not just saying evangelicals who are off a little. I'm saying there's all kinds of deception about what God has to say. And why did they do that? In those days, there was no king. There was no order. Every man did what was right in his own eyes because there was no order and no accountability to pull everyone back to here's what the law of God says. That's why they were in trouble. Here's what the law of God says, which brings me to my next point. The next thing to do is to read Scripture, duh. You know, I mentioned it earlier. We were praying with the worship team, and Mike gave me a smarty-pants answer. Read your Bible, pray every... No, you didn't say that. It was some... Prayer, Bible, and Jesus, right. Okay. I'm always nervous about that because people say, if I would just pray more and I would just read the Scripture more, then things are going to work. And how many people have tried that and it didn't work? Because there's more to it than just doing duty. But I am going to say this. Reading a scripture, something in the music we were singing this morning talked about how in the word we see God. There was one of the lines. One of them stood out to me, and I can't remember which one. But that is the truth. The God who made all that is and the God who rescues people is found here. And the more I... I um, brood over it and read through it and and let the stories saturate my soul, the more I start to sense, not just read, but sense what God is like. In this case, familiarity doesn't breed content. Familiarity with the word of God breeds faith. It does increase our faith. So I'm saying that with... I'm nervous because somebody, I'm going to tell you, there are people who are so driven in reading, reading, and reading, and taking in information, but no application down into their shoe leather, it makes me nervous, as though 
just learning is an act of righteousness. It's not in itself. It's a good thing to do. I want to see that what I find in the scripture begins to change me, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Reading scripture. When I was in seminary um, and I went through uh, theology, we had four semesters, huge semesters of theology. It was brutal, but it was fun. And for every quarter, there were a whole slew of, can you believe this, seminary level, master's degree, memory verses. I am so grateful to this day that that stuff got shoveled into my head. And here was one of them. Talking about the importance of God, God's word, that he is known through his word. He reveals himself through his word. In fact, one of the verses I didn't even think of using was when God reveals himself to Samuel. It says in the scripture, God made himself known to the Israelites through Samuel by the word of the Lord. Here's a verse out of Zechariah. The people of God, on the other hand, made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen, would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was not happy. I know we don't like that kind of language today. Nobody wants an angry God. And part of the problem is people are thinking he's angry about things he's not really angry about. But they also think he's not angry about things that he is angry about. Things that are wrong. And this is accountability for the saints of God, right? So they hardened their hearts, and that's why judgment came. The opposite of that, we can drop that verse. The opposite of that is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, you're my friends. You're my friends if you do what I command you. And you're my disciples indeed if you, what, abide in my word. There's something about a living relationship with the word of God that increases our faith. You know, Luke had to hang out with Yoda. I need to hang out with Jesus. <laughs> and here's where he is. Obviously, uh, he's everywhere too. One day, uh, maybe this next coming year, I'm going to encourage us as a congregation to go through the word together. It's been clear to me as I've interacted with people and I hear where they're angry with God about this and that, you haven't read the whole thing. You're missing some major parts of the story. Major parts. So there's a, a way we can do that together. We'll try to launch when we get into the next year. The word, by the way, when you get discipled as a new Christian, something you should learn. One, the Bible is full of two things. One, promises, promises you need to trust. Promises you need to trust. The second thing it's full of is commandments, principles that I need to obey. Anybody hear what I just said? What is it full of? Two things, promises and commandments. All right. Promises and commands, promises and principles. Promises I don't have to take action on, I have to trust them. Principles or commands, I have to, if I believe it, I'm going to do it. All right, so those are the two dimensions of growing as a disciple. Do I want to increase my faith? Then learn to trust the promises and learn to obey the commands. So that brings us to number three. Number three is resting in grace. How can I increase my faith? By resting in grace. 
This is very close to home for me right now because God hammered me a few months back. I told you about that a little. I did. I told you. I'll tell you again. (laughs) Trusting God. Trusting God. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. Put your hope in the word of his prophets and succeed. The, uh, the Old Testament kings, when they were up against wars against their enemies, trust in the Lord, not in your false gods. Put them away. Destroy them. Trust in the Lord and listen to his prophets and you will succeed. Before we put a verse up here, let me just tell you how we rest in grace. In, ex- in the first case, the scripture tells me, he that has the son has life. You know who I'm talking about, right? He that has the son has Ooh, he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son of God shall not see life. There's more to it. He that has the Son has life. Have you taken the Son into your life? If you have, the Scripture is telling us you are accepted in the Beloved just as you are. Can you settle that? I know people in Christ that haven't settled it yet. They're still struggling. Do I know? that I have life eternal. Do I know that witness of the Spirit? That's what he wants for the saints. He wants us to have a lively relationship with him through his Spirit. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what it's like to lay down your sin and be free and not be condemned and nagged and awake at night and all of that other stuff to have? Like, how do I shake... Resting in the grace of God is your birthright as a child of God. Did you know that? I heard one amen out of a whole crowd. Whoa, yeah, we're so excited. Okay. Hey, I just want us to be normal. What? I'm not going to touch that one for sure. He said, we're peculiar but not normal. I was like, holy cow. You know the difference between normal and average. That's what I'm saying. God's calling us to be normal, not average. The average Christian may not be very healthy. He's calling us up to normalcy. A few weeks ago, I talked about resting in sweet sovereignty. Remember that? He's got it. Can I trust him that the affairs of men, as chaotic and crazy as they are? Uh, You've been reading the paper? Again. Again today, another shooting. Last week, a priest doing communion in France. Are we really deceiving ourselves that we are somehow insulated? But I trust sweet sovereignty. I'm indestructible until Jesus says, it's time for you to come home. And you're going to come home in a glorious way. Okay, Lord. Martyr. Rest in sweet sovereignty. Rest in your acceptance in the beloved. And then one more thing. Let me show you a verse. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. You see that? According to the proportion of his faith. I don't know if that gives you... You've got to read between the lines here. He's saying that we don't all have the same amount of faith. 
Are you okay with that? Are you not sure? Am I provoking 2,000 other questions? Send them in. Um, we're not all the same. I used to say this. Gene and I have had some great conversations about this, right? I, I've been out to Willow Creek. I've been in Bill Heibel's home. I've been in all, And I talk about these people who are ministering in these big contexts, like Saddleback and uh, Warren and all of these guys. And, and I, I just make it very clear. I used to say this, and I still say it. All men are not created equal. I don't care what political documents say. We're not created equal. Yeah, we're equal in terms of our rights. You get that? I get that. We're not all the same. We're not all equal. I observe the way Bill Hybels leads his church, and I observe the way I led my church, and I observe the way other people lead their churches, and there are definite stratas. Not all men are created equal. I don't have the giftings and the skill sets and the authorities that those people have. And you know what? I'm okay with it. I have what God has given to me. You have what God has given to you. If you wish you had a better gift, I want Hocko's gift. No, you don't trust me, but uh, I want that other gift. Why don't you do some praying? Because God has given us giftings and faith according to the proportion he's granted us. Can you be okay with that? I even wrote in my, my notes here in parenthesis, I'm okay, mostly. <laughs> I had to add mostly because I don't want to deny the last thing. Yes, can I, be a, can I be enjoying God where I am right now, exercising my gift and the level of faith that I have? And I observe other people who trust God for huge things, and I go, whoa. I've had people pray, ask me to pray. Would you pray for this? We're praying for this whole country. It's like I don't have the faith to pray for that whole country. Take the subject that's very dear to me, revival. Do I have the faith to pray for revival here? Probably. Do I have the faith to pray for revival in the entire country? Uh Uh-uh. That doesn't mean I won't pray it. I'll pray it. But I'm saying I don't have a quickening in me that says this is going to get... So, can I be okay with that? We're all called to different things. You need to learn to like yourself a little more. No, some of you need to like... Anyway... You get what I'm saying. Next thing, last thing. Even though I've been given a certain proportion of faith, that doesn't mean I should become complacent. By the way, one of our um, one of our sins, our besetting sins as a congregation that we walked through when we did our solemn assembly. Anybody remember that? Anybody? Anybody remember our solemn? Ass- anybody remember my name? Anybody? <laughs> was complacency. Anybody remember that? It was part of it, complacency. So even though I've got this level of faith, that doesn't mean, oh, I'm so happy like this and I never have to grow again. Now I need to risk or I need to reach for more. I need to reach for more. I think that's appropriate. You asked, the question was, how can I increase my faith? I need to risk some things. I need to reach for a little more. I'm going to try to explain this if I might. I'm going to use the passage out of the book of James that I think I've referenced before. Let me put it up. This is in the context of, is any of you lacking wisdom? Anybody here ever lacking wisdom? Hello, all of us. 
But let him, it says, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. But let him ask in faith, without any doubting. Now, that sounds kind of scary. What does that mean? For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Just in case you don't know what doubting means, he helps you by explaining it. Let not that man expect he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let me just be clear. Doubting here is not talking about, gee, I hope this works. It's okay to pray that way. (laughs) God, I'm asking, gee, I hope this works. Anybody ever pray like that? I mean, you may not say those words, but I'm like, I'm asking God. I'm hoping I see this. I hope something happens. Right? Help my unbelief. That's my favorite prayer. I say that all the time. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. What's the problem with this doubter? He's asking for wisdom. God says, I'm asking you, Lord, should I marry Mary? I'm asking, give me wisdom. And God says, no. And he says, that ain't the answer I want to hear, so I'm asking her anyway. That's what the problem is. You're asking for wisdom when you're thinking in your heart, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do. What is that reflective of? Here it comes. Very bad curse word for our generation. Obedience. That had authority, didn't it? You see, the faith is manifested by what? Obedience. It's not some secret thing. Oh, I grit my teeth and make, a, make the ship come out of the water. You know, no, I obey what I'm told to do. I think about this kind of thing. Do you pray? Um, do you worship? Uh, you read the Bible. Are you crazy enough to give money to the church? You already got tons of faith. You see what I'm saying? You must believe in something unseen. You believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. You, 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 got, you got faith to work. Have you entered into life? If you've entered into life, you've got faith to work with and build from there. See what I mean? But I got to stretch. I've got to be willing to risk a little bit. I need to ask for the wisdom. I need to pray it down. I need to take a risk. I need to learn to discern what the Spirit is telling me. I was thinking about the the steps of faith that we take in our spiritual lives. First time, uh, let me let me use something real simple, and I and I like it because it's you can control it so well. When I learned how to tithe, right? I, le- I learned to give money to God. When you first do that, and you're looking at your bank book, and you're going, right? You know, because often, like we get saved, depending on where we are in our lives, you know, we're not like loaded, and we're going. Uh, I don't see how this is going to work. I just don't see it. What choice do you make then? I'm going to try it. Here we go, God. Let's see what happens. And then he comes through, right? Somebody in this uh, pew over here told me a story like that. It works. Doesn't that build my faith? Wow, he came through. So much so that when we were at a point where we had a glitch when we we had a, a, um, a... modular home delivered that we were going to live in for 25 years in Broome County. 
and we found out that the bank had messed something up and it was sitting two miles from our house and they said, we will not set it on your property until we have the cash, the cash in hand. And I'm like, this is what we call a crisis. I'm going to be camping out in the woods for the next 10 years, you know, with five children and a very angry wife. And I'll never forget, because God has shown himself to be faithful to me over and over. I started to panic. Anybody get this feeling? I started to panic, right? When you first get the word, oh, you know, you get the letter from the IRS. (laughs) Right? And I started to, and I went, no. It was an act of my will. I'll never forget it. I said, no. I got down on my knees in my, uh, wherever I was. I can't remember where I was. said, God. I believe you're asking me to trust you here. I'm not going to worry about it. I didn't freak. I didn't panic. I didn't want to dishonor God. That day went by. The next day, I'm making one of my pastoral calls. calls. I'm visiting this sister who uh, is in a business, and, I, and they said, hey, what's happening with your house? I, house. I didn't even bring it up. And I go, oh, funny you should ask. You want to hear this? And I told them, and she said, come back in two hours. I had the cash. I had to pay it back, of course. But I had the cash. And I went, thank you, Jesus. You've proven again that you're faithful. Maybe it's learning how to do that. Maybe your challenge is forgiveness. I don't see how I can forgive. Maybe you even believe they don't deserve forgiveness. And they may not just like you didn't. But that might be your big faith challenge to step over the line and say, i got to be stretched here to actually forgive what this person did to me. Or maybe you haven't talked to anybody in a long time about Jesus. That's a scary one, isn't it? Anybody want? Come on, let's be honest, class. (laughs) This is kind of funny. You know, I work in the church. I'm around all of these Christian people all the time. And I, uh, by the way, I love you. But connecting with non-believers is some of the fun. And uh, so I wake up two days ago and I'm like, gee, I haven't had an interaction for a while, Lord. I'm feeling really guilty and ashamed, which isn't from the Holy Spirit, by the way. But I said... uh, I want to just put that before you again because I periodically put it before God. How about an open door? You get what I'm saying? Start by asking for an open door. I got up, had my coffee, blah, blah, blah. I did have clothes on. A neighbor came out, and I said, here's my chance. And I went over and met him, got to share a little bit. It was so much fun. I don't know what the faith step is for you, but somewhere along the line, you got to take a risk. We come up, I don't know what it is for your life today, specifically. What is the next step to increase your faith? But we're all to be growing in it. This is not for just a couple of us. This is for all who really belong to God. We're kind of like up against a chasm of some sort. I have a great illustration from a truly spiritual movie. The Search for the Holy Grail. And there he is on the edge of the chasm. And this is what you need to do. It's a leap of faith. 
I'm going to witness to my neighbor. <gasps> you know, God has a sense of humor, too. <laughs> Get over it. It's so fun. Put him to the test. There's a bad way to put God to the test, but he says many times, as regarding my promises, test me and see. If I won't come through for you, if you'll try it. There's a chasm. Maybe you're stalled in your spiritual life. Maybe you haven't entered into faith in Christ at all. You're not sure of it. Or maybe there's some risk serving God in a church. I know that's, a, you know, I've talked with people about it. this is a new challenge. Take the step. Test him. See if he doesn't come through. Acquire something. Win some battle. Open some door. That's how we have to be stretched. I can't tell you what it is. You have to. Okay? Let's stand together as we close in prayer. It's amazing to me, God, but every single person in this room is thoroughly known inside and out by you. So you know what each of our struggle is, what the step of faith might look like, what's the chasm, how hard it will be, you know all of that. We're the ones that forget that you know it, and that's why we freeze up. So grant your servants increased faith. That's what I'm asking for, for belief to flow here, for unbelief, the demonic force of unbelief and deception to be crushed so that we can see you as the prayer-answering God that you are. So we ask for help today. Dismiss your people with your blessing and angelic protection. We'll thank you in the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm here to talk with you, and have a wonderful day. <laughs>